Welcome, this is Jing Mu Sherpa, Veterans Matters Program Coordinator at the Medical Society of the State of New York. I am joined today by Dr. Frank Dowling, Secretary of the Medical Society. Dr. Dowling is board certified in addiction and psychiatric medicine and has been involved in MISNI's Veterans Matters Program and Planning Committee since its inception in 2015. This first part of the discussion will focus on identifying PTSD in returning veterans, leading causes of PTSD, and common comorbidities. What is PTSD and how can you screen for it? PTSD is a brain-based medical condition that we think of as our fight-flight-freeze or stress response system having gone awry. In order for people to meet criteria for PTSD, they have to have experienced directly or witnessed an actual traumatic event resulting in death or serious injury or threatened death or threat to the physical integrity of oneself or others. So military combat, rape, assault, disasters such as tornadoes, frankly, even some people who are facing the COVID crisis right now are developing PTSD with witnessing death or threatened death or fears of death. There are also some clusters of symptoms that are part of the response in PTSD. Intrusion, or what we used to call re-experiencing symptoms, where someone can think of the event keeps intruding, not welcomed, but intruding back to me through vivid recollections, through nightmares, causing severe anxiety or emotional distress when I'm reminded of the event, or causing strong physical reactions, uh, heart-pounding panic attacks when reminded of the event, things like that. Someone also finds that they may be avoiding stimuli or reminders associated with the traumatic event, and that could be external, as in people, places, things. The flag, for example, could be a stimulus for a veteran because everyone serves honoring the flag, but in particular, everyone who dies in combat or as a result of military injury is buried under the flag. It could also be internal reminders. So some of the things that may trigger some of the recollections or even feelings that are very similar to what one may have faced in a war zone overseas. A new category of symptoms in the DSM-5 compared to 4 is what we call negative alterations in cognition and mood associated with the traumatic event. I say it to vets and other patients just as negative thoughts or feelings related to the traumatic event. This is where someone may find themselves struggling with some excessive guilt, some feelings that the world is no longer a safe, trusted place. Sometimes people can be stuck worrying when the next bomb is going to go off, when's the next shoe going to drop. They may be emotionally distant from others or uncharacteristically for them pessimistic about people in their lives, the world, and the future. The last cluster is marked alterations and arousal or reactivity associated with the event. Most of these symptoms are akin to general anxiety or worry, such as insomnia, irritability, trouble concentrating, but it includes hypervigilance where someone is stuck sort of in alert mode and they're more jumpy or exaggerated startle response where if something happens that is startling or stressful, especially if it's a sudden sound, for example, then they have a strong overreaction. These are the main criteria for PTSD that we see, and it plays out differently in each individual. What are the leading causes of PTSD in veterans? 
For veterans, for the most part, the leading causes of PTSD are directly related to their military service, particularly those who have been deployed into a combat zone such as Iraq or Afghanistan, other places around the world where they may be on a specific military-related mission, being under fire, explosions in particular. The weapon of choice since 2001 has really been an explosive device, whether it's a rocket-propelled grenade, a suicide bomber, an improvised explosive device. And what happens is once someone has been exposed to one of these events, maybe an explosion goes off and their vehicle shakes and they're jumping out of the vehicle, ducking for cover and protecting themselves and civilians. Every time they have heard explosions off in the distance throughout the days and throughout the nights, it has a different impact on them. They're stuck in that alert hypervigilant mode. There's no longer any safe zone when the weapon of choice is explosive. There's no traditional back line and people being deployed multiple times. There are so many exposures to these types of traumatic stimuli that it's not surprising that there's a high rate of PTSD. An area to keep in mind for a service member or a veteran is that if someone close to them from their service is seriously injured or killed, even if they weren't there, but learning of this situation can cause PTSD, particularly if it's associated with guilt because someone wasn't deployed because maybe they didn't re-enlist or their assignment had just changed, some other reason why they couldn't go out on that assignment. It's very important to keep these types of situations in mind. Can you talk a little bit about brain anatomy and PTSD? I find that it's really important to be mindful of the brain activity that's involved in PTSD because we do think of PTSD basically as a a medical illness that's related to a dysregulation in our normal fight, flight, freeze, or stress response. The amygdala, which is the alarm center, is overly sensitive. That's the one that would be related to causing panic attacks or helping us be on top of our game with adrenaline pouring out and being over-focused and ready to fight or flee ends up being oversensitive in PTSD. The hippocampus that's involved in memory formation and retrieval and what we call working memory, imaging studies have shown is smaller in people who have PTSD. This probably contributes to their difficulties in processing some of these traumatic memories and coping with them and being more triggered by certain reminders. The medial prefrontal cortex is lower functioning in PTSD. PTSD. This area, if you think of it from the perspective, for example, of someone with a dementia, when this is diminished, someone loses their inhibitions and they're more likely to overreact. The anterior cingulate gyrus is an area that we believe is involved in processing information, and we believe it may be affected in PTSD and we may be less efficient in how we process information. And the orbital frontal cortex, which is overreactive, also seems to be involved with the anterior cingulate cortex in determining what's salient or important to us. And in PTSD, unfortunately, cues related to the trauma are deemed more important and contribute to the overreactions, those intrusion symptoms, arousal symptoms, but also may explain why PTSD generalizes to other areas of our lives, that people may be more irritable with their spouse, their siblings, their kids or coworkers, even in frustrating situations that are not really threatening. And 
some of it may have to do with these areas that are overreacting that cause more strong reactions with irritability, anger, or fear. And the areas that are less reactive or less strong that normally are involved in processing information, deeming it unimportant, or protecting us by putting our inhibitions up so that we don't overreact. What comorbidities are common with PTSD? What are some of the risky behaviors that may be seen in veterans with PTSD that primary care doctors should look out for? Sometimes with PTSD, someone could be suicidal, and it's important to screen for that. But sometimes it's more that as a result of the PTSD, they may be emotionally flat. We think of this psychological defense of emotional distancing or numbing as a defense or a safety mechanism. It's safer to feel numb than to feel the pain or the fear or the terror or the anger of PTSD. But in that state, someone can find many things to be very satisfying. And as a result, Sometimes people with PTSD stumble across more intense experiences, risk-taking, things like gambling, sexual indiscretions. And we think of this as it can be a way of breaking through with these intense experiences to break through that numbing. But also these could be veiled or passively suicidal behavior. So I've treated veterans or law enforcement professionals who would always be the first through the door. To their peers, they were heroic. They would always take the risk risk and kick the door down first and you never knew what was on the other side. And what they were really hoping, their fantasy was that someone had a gun or a knife and would kill them so that they could die heroically and from their perspective spare themselves, their families, their colleagues, their agency of the shame of a suicide. These are some of the ways that some of these risky behaviors can play out. Comorbidities in PTSD are other related mental health conditions that may overlap with PTSD or may be experienced instead of full criteria for PTSD after traumatic events, depression or major depression, anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, but also we see an increased rate of substance use disorders, alcohol, marijuana, other substances. When I think about PTSD, the arousal symptoms are similar to generalized anxiety disorder. The intrusion symptoms are similar to panic attacks, a panic disorder, or a strong adrenaline surge with physical autonomic symptoms, but also in the context of re-experiencing in one way or another, whether it's a nightmare or a vivid recollection. If you think of some of the avoidance symptoms, the emotional numbing, the dissatisfaction, emotional flatness or sadness, they're akin to major depression. So it's not surprising that there's an overlap of these depression and anxiety disorders, substance use disorders, alcohol, marijuana, sometimes opioids or other substances come in because people often are self-medicating symptoms because they'd rather use meds to go to sleep and sleep through the nightmares or quiet down severe anxiety. Sometimes people will use stimulating drugs such as cocaine to break through some of that emotional numbing. Unfortunately, these substances may work only short term or intermittently and overall they tend to worsen symptoms. In particular, it's important for a primary care doctor to be mindful of the idea that substance or alcohol use increases the risk of suicide in someone with PTSD and depression and increases the risk that irritability could result in violence with other people. This concludes part one of Misney's Veterans Matters PTSD in Returning Veterans podcast. 
Be sure to listen to part two, which focuses on treatment options along with information on how PTSD affects family members and advice to physicians on providing better care for veteran patients with PTSD.